This is the Average Guy Network, and you found Home Gadget Geek show number 314, recorded on June 15th, 2017. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorites, tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation all for the average guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. A little warm today, but uh, Mike, how about the storms that blew through last night? Weird. Like, there was a post on the neighborhood app like, hey, uh, you might want to check your roofs. Hail actually came through, and a bunch of people are getting their roofs replaced from the insurance company. Yeah. because, and it was, But it was only... I didn't even know what happened, to be honest. No, it was weird. It was in, in that weird, like three in the morning kind of thing, where right. if you if you're a heavy sleeper, you just sleep right through it. But it did. Wind blew, did some damage, blew some stuff down here, and and of course that time of year here in Bellevue, yep. here in Nebraska, and of course we post a show with world class show notes out at the Average Guy. TV. Don't forget, you can also join us live on the live mobile app. But you could do that. Be doing that right now if you had the app installed on your iPhone or Android device. Of choice, actually iOS or Android, either one of those works well. Head out to either one of the stores, search Home Gadget Geeks, download it. It's free. You can listen live. That's really the best way to do it. However, you're listening to the show otherwise, uh, that works great. But if you want to listen to us live on the road, low bandwidth, and it works really well, head out to HomeGadgetGeeks.com and get that. And, of course, we thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that. And Amber's coming back here in a couple weeks, so we'll be excited to have her on. Don't forget, we're commercial-free both on YouTube and Spreaker now. So if you um, well, we've been that way for a while, but of course we're doing that. Uh, it's kind of a little freaky out there on YouTube. So your sponsorship, uh, whether you do it through Patreon or using the Amazon affiliate link, and that's working again. And so don't forget, head out to theaverageguy.tv and just click on the Amazon. There's a banner right there. It just says Amazon, whatever. Just click on it just before you buy. It really helps us out. It's going to be a couple months. It takes Amazon about three months for that stuff to catch up. And so uh, we won't be able to do anything right away for the Tech Scholarship Fund. But if you're interested in helping out, it's a great way to do it. Uh, both links for both Patreon and that out of the TV. And uh, we appreciate you doing that for us. All right. Some fun media and a media show tonight. I got John Biggs with me. And John, great to have you on the show. Great to see you. I finally got to meet you just a couple of weeks ago during Christian's graduation. But welcome. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. No, it is. It's good to have you. It was, like I said, it was good to see you. I don't, um, you know, when I travel the country, I always try and meet, uh, you know, I try and meet people when I do it. Of course, we got to do it for Christian's graduation. Again, Christian's out there. So, John, maybe I should have you on every week. I'll get Christian out here. Holy cow. He actually came out for a for a uh, for home gadget geeks. But um, it was it was fun to meet you. Speaking of that, uh, Christian and I will be doing Cyber Frontiers again where he's just working one job now. And that's uh, pretty just cool. One? Just one job. What a slacker. <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, we'll be cranking Cyber Frontiers back up, and we have a, uh, we've got an episode coming up this Tuesday. So that is uh, June. We'll get things kicked off again. June 20th, 8 p.m. Central, just like this show, if you're listening live. We'll have you to come out and join us live again for that. Christian will catch us up on all the things that he's doing, and we'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk about what's going on in the world of cybersecurity. John, we want to have you on. Because you're in our community, you're kind of our TV tuner guy. Like this is you presented on this when you came to the home service show meetup last year. And I'll be honest, like I've I've never tuned a TV, like ever. And I never even thought about doing it. But when you do it, like 
it, it, it makes it better. And so can you talk a little bit about uh, just let's dive in. Why do I even need to tune my, I, don't they just come ready out of the yeah. box? So uh, going back to the old CRT days yeah, where you had the uh, red, green, and blue electron beams essentially hitting a screen. If you didn't have your TV aligned, there were like rings on the back of there that you would turn and align where the beams would hit the phosphor. And when I first got into this, I had a tube TV and you would put text up on the TV and you could see in the center, it would be good. But on the edges, you would see like three lines of text, one red, one green, and one blue. It was just a mess, right? You didn't really realize how better it could be. So then you would go in there and just mess around with those with the right calibration patterns, get those beams aligned and your TV would look better. That's only part of it, but that's how it got started for me anyway. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I don't know, like I've never, I don't know how I survived for the last yeah. 40 years. So, so <laughs> I didn't even know that was an option. I didn't know that was something you could even do. Well, you, you really shouldn't. Uh, oh, okay. You, now you deal with a, a live cathode ray tube with lots nah, of buildings. Okay. Things, right. Yeah. So I was yeah. like trying to move these things with little sticks. So I wasn't touching. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't do that today, but we've come a long way. Yeah. Uh, but today we've got HD TVs. Uh, when I first started doing this with HD TVs, in order to do this calibration, you would have to go into the Secret Service menu. And there are codes online you can put in the remote control and pop up all these other things inside your TV settings you can get to. And those settings were hidden back in 2000 when, when I really started doing this. Today, those are accessible through the user menu. And they're called things like white balance is the primary one. There's something called a color management system where you can adjust the primary colors, the red, green, and blue, right? Uh, the real thing is you can't mess with this unless you have the right equipment or else you're just going to make things worse. Now, and people try to eyeball it, right? I mean, you yeah. can, if you don't, you could go in there and kind of mess around with it to eyeball it, but you're yeah, shaking your head now. It's just going to be a mess, right? Uh, before you do any of this stuff, real thing is write down all the settings so you can always go back. But, but back to your original question, why in the heck would you do this, right? So the idea is that for two things, one, you can make the TV, like I described earlier, the best it could be, right? Get those errors out. And then when you get to the heart of the actual calibration with the grayscale, and I've got some uh, screenshots I can show you, you're trying to calibrate to a standard. And that standard, everything that's recorded, movies especially, the equipment and cameras used to record are calibrated to a standard so that you have consistency in what you're trying to do if you're the, uh, the director. And when it's recorded, it's recorded and then uh, adjusted in post-production or whatever to get to the director's intent. You know, if the matrix is supposed to have a green tint, that's how they get that, right? And when you watch the matrix, it's ideally should be watching with, with a green tint, not a blue tint. So why would that's why you would do it. So your other question is, why don't they come already done that way? And most of that gets into how TVs are bought, right? So how do most people buy a TV? They go to Best Buy and they look around, and they say, ha I like that one. Well, the one they like is usually one that has the contrast cranked up really bright, right? And it just stands out amongst the others. So if you actually went into Best Buy, which is surrounded by big fluorescent lights, so you're not in an ideal viewing environment, and you had a calibrated TV, it would look awful. And the one next to it that was in what they call torch mode would really stand out and pop, right? But it wouldn't be accurate, but it would look better there in Best Buy. Then when you get at home, if you really were paying attention, you'd notice that 
you know, there isn't a lot of detail in the blacks. There is, you know, in the shadows, things just get wiped out. If you're looking at the sky, instead of seeing clouds and layers, you just get a big white blob, right? You can fix all that and get it back to, again, the best that these TVs can be. And what's interesting, especially these days, the quality of TVs is just so high that you don't have to buy the top of the line TV to get an incredibly good picture. You can buy, like Vizio is a really good name brand now that's a cheaper brand, calibrate that up and it's a really good looking picture. Really? I mean, so they've kind of taken it on the chin of being the cheapest, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the Walmart version of, of TVs. Are you saying I, I go with Vizio and that'd be all right? So I, and you gotta go read the reviews, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Right, but yeah, there are really good Vizio TVs out there. So the way I buy a TV is I don't even watch it. I don't even look at it, right? I go online. I read, um, trying to think what, the name will come to me, but the, the magazines, yeah. right? And then uh, Sound of Vision. They do TV reviews, and you go online and look. And consistently, you'll see which are the, the better brand TVs. A lot of the podcasts I listen to talk about things like that. Uh, Home Theater Geeks over on uh, the Twit Network. Lots of things like that. And AVS forums where I spend a ton of time just reading about all this crazy stuff. Yeah, well, how often are we really buying TVs, to be honest, right? I mean, it's it, it's not like every day we're, you know, drive, it's like coffee. You know, we're not buying a 55-inch, you know, TV every day. And so, you know, I imagine just like anything else, it's one of those things that's probably worth a week or two of some research on what's currently being sold and what you know, uh, is there, are there things in particular, like when I'm reading the reviews or things in particular that I'm looking for that will kind of clue me in to like, this is a good quality TV. Yeah. The, the reviewers will talk about how well it calibrates right, mm-hmm. and how close they can get it to the standard they're, they're trying to achieve there. Uh, and as far as, you know, it's interesting. You say we don't buy TV every day. Right. And if you think back to our time, when we started buying computers, how often did we buy a computer? It was like every two or three years. Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't know about you, but how, how much did we spend on a computer when we bought it? Well, quite a bit, but they've come down. It was $3,000. Yeah. yeah. Every computer I, wa- I bought, no matter what year it was, as technology, pro- the one I wanted was $3,000. Today, they're a little bit lower, but it was interesting. That was the rule. How, how often we be, did we buy a TV back then? Every eight years, 10 yeah. years, once a lifetime? Yeah. Right. And now it's kind of flipped. Right, because computers are so powerful now. I'm still running my 2009 Windows Home Server box, and it's fine. TVs, well, we went through standard def, went to the flat panels, went to HD TVs, and now we're into 4K. So you're not buying a TV every two years, but every time the technology changes, it's almost and you'd you'd want to do that to keep up, right? Yeah. So then are you only calibrating once? Then, so you buy the TV, you bring it home, you calibrate it. That TV should be good. Or is that resetting itself at all? Yeah. Or when do I need to recalibrate it? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll talk about plasmas because that's what I've dealt with mostly. So when you take a plasma out of the box and you start using it, the phosphors, they're in there. The different colors of phosphors will age differently. So um, now I don't have specific details, but like the red ones will you know last a little longer than the blue ones or something okay. like that, right? So out of the box, what people do, and again, it depends on how much of a geek you are, people will take their brand new TVs, uh, and now they do it with OLEDs, and run slideshows on them, full screen, and just cycle through colors for like 100 hours, 200 hours before they even watch TV. Right? Wow. And, that, and then they'll and, go. And that's even on OLEDs? Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and I mean, it's, it's one of those philosophical things, right? Oh, right. you don't really have to do that. Okay. Don't do it. Right. Same. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way I, I look at calibration. Oh, I like it better the way it was. Okay. Watch it the way it was. And enjoy your fluorescent green grass during football season if that's what you like, right? <laughs> that doesn't make you bad; it just makes you wrong. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm worried now that I'm going to fall into that category. I'm going to go to calibrate oh. my TV now, and I'm going to be like, "Okay, I was way off." So, well, and that's okay, right? Because then you're fixing it. The bad news is, once you do this, you can't enjoy any other TV. Mm. Okay. Right. So, yeah. And, and lessons learned too. Like if you go to your friend's house and they say, Hey, how's my TV look? They don't really want you to tell them. I learned that. <laughs> <You> the <hard laughs> way. They're not asking. They want you to say, Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, you know. yeah. So awesome. uh, a couple things. So you can do, you know, when you talk about calibration, there's, there's really two things. And Mike, we were talking a little bit in the, in the pre-show uh, there's calibration discs. I should have had one sitting here next to me, but, They'll put up test patterns, right? And that's what you right. work from. And you've seen them, the color bars. The you know, it's the standard test pattern. Yeah, like one will go like white to black, really slow. Yep. And you got that. Colors on it, and, and yeah. they'll have the different color bars on the top and the little right. squares at the bottom, right? So those test discs come with uh, usually a set of blue filter that you look through. Uh, TVs today actually have a blue only mode. You can turn off the uh, different guns and make it only display blue. And that's actually more accurate than the filter. And what you want to do is uh, the areas on those color bars that are white, they'll be blue, of course, but there'll be different shades of blue and you adjust the color until some of them will match. And you'll say, okay, okay I've got the color set. Then the inner, inner pair will adjust the tint in the same way. Okay. So that's how you adjust your, your color and your tint. And then the uh, gray that you mentioned, there are uh, test patterns that show different levels of brightness from, I'll say 16 as uh, the black standard up to 235 and up to 255 for solid white. And as you adjust the contrast, you adjust the level of white that you can see. So you adjust that till you can see the most of those individual steps. And then there's a similar pattern that is focused on the black levels. So you adjust your brightness, ironically, to uh, adjust the black level till you can get, uh, you don't see any change in that 16 level on the, on the test pattern. And then you know you've got your black level set correctly. So that, out of, without using test equipment, that's how to get as close as you can. Okay. And then uh, today on digital TVs, there's a sharpness, right? You can run that all the way to zero, and that's good. Uh, to, so then if I do that on this TV, so let's say I have my TV in my living room, I do this test. If I move it to a different room, let's say down to the basement where my basement is not a walkout, so it's it's a lot darker down there. Yeah. Does the light in the room affect the setting on these TVs? Yeah, that's a great question. And yeah, it will affect the, not the color so much, uh, but the contrast and the brightness. Yeah, okay. that'll absolutely change. So you, you want to go in and tweak that. And some people, and I am not one of these, some people will actually set, a, a mode on their TV for daytime viewing and another one for nighttime viewing hmm. for that reason. Okay. I'm not, I'm yeah, because it's going to change problem. a lot, I would imagine, you know. Because yeah. one thing I noticed, I think I, I heard that it reduces the eye strain sometimes because sometimes you don't realize it. But is it, is it the whites? Is it the brightness? What's causing that eye strain that this is fixing? Because I noticed when I did it just through the Xbox, I didn't do a sophisticated one. Uh, it did help a little bit. I noticed at night I wasn't like squinting almost. 
Yeah, well, you're adjusting the amount of light that's hitting your eye from the TV, right? So if okay. you're adjusting that down, it's not as bright. That goes back to that torch mode we talked about. Right. If you took that TV and plopped it in the middle of your living room at night with the lights out, after about 15 minutes, you're going to be squinting, right? After yep. about an hour, it's like not going to be fun. Uh, you want to adjust that to what they call 100 nits, or uh, I think it's 29 foot Lamberts if you do the commercial or the conversion. And you can measure that with equipment as well, right? So that's that's when you need something like this, right? which is a... Uh, so describe, for our, John, for our yeah. audio-only listeners, describe that and hold it back up again. Okay, yeah. So what I got here is a camera, essentially, that goes, and it's it's got a weight on the back over the uh, USB cable. So it's USB plugs in your computer, and it hangs down over your TV screen, and the camera sits right up against the, the screen itself. And then uh, software, pat, you can put up test patterns that have different levels of uh, brightness. So different grayscale steps, 10% uh, bright, 20%, all the way up to white, 100% white windows, right? So that's uh, displayed on the TV. Then you have software, which will take readings off of that sensor and turn that into uh, numbers or visual display. So then you can adjust the level of brightness on your TV to get into the standard, like I was saying, 29 foot Lamberts, or you know, nowadays they're pushing up a little bit higher. And depending on the brightness of your room, Mike, uh, for my living room, I usually go to 35 or 36, sometimes even 40 foot Lamberts, depending on how bright the room is. And then once you set that, so there's a bright, um, it's like us, what I'm trying to think what it's called on the TV, uh, cell, cell brightness, you'll see it called. Okay. It's like the brightness of the actual panel. And then once you get that set for 100% white, you can adjust the contrast and the, the brightness on the user controls we were talking about. So that'll get you uh, pretty much, every, you know, people say 85% there, right? So that device being just a lot more accurate than maybe your eye would be if you threw up the patterns yourself. Yep. Okay. So then uh, where we would go next with this device is it actually reads the level of red, green, and blue coming off the screen as well. That makes that gray pattern. And if you put that up there, like 50, 70% gray and go into your user settings and you know, run green up to as high as it'll go, you'll see that gray turn to a greenish tint, right? So the idea is get this gray and uh, I'll show you a screen share in a minute. You'll see it before. And you'll see that as you take these measurements across the spectrum from 10% uh, brightness all the way to 100, that this red, green, and blue are different levels all the way across there. And the idea is how do we get all these, bring them down together so you get one flat line, get consistent gray all the way across. And the software will also measure the error that you have uh, from the standard. So uh, I can go ahead and try to do a screen share now if that's As you're doing that, John, tell me what that, what's the name of that device? Oh. Uh, so the software I use is called Cowman from SpectraCal. And this device is the C6. You can get different sensors. You can get them off of uh, Amazon as well. You don't have to go to Cowman. So there's uh, Spider is one, and X-Rite makes another one that's pretty good. Are pre expensive, cheap? What are we looking at price-wise? It depends. So the uh, cheaper ones are you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks. This one here was like $600, right? So wow. it's a hobby. Right, no kidding. That's Yeah, that's definitely a hobby. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm driving a car a from 2000. <laughs> What's that? Not a hobby if you charge your friends. Yeah, there you true. go. I do it for free, actually. That's, no, that's, I know. No, that's I what know. I do for fun. Right. So right can you guys see this now? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You bet. You're, you're in the main screen. And 
Can you see the mouse moving around? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right here where I'm moving, that's the, uh, this is uh, a friend of mine's televisions that I, I calibrated, did that before. And you'll see right here at zero. All right. So that's the goal. And you'll see green at the low end is above zero and at the high end is a little bit below, but blue is all the way above and red is way above, right? And if you look over here on the left side of the screen, this is the error measurement that's being generated by the TV. And if you can see, there's actually uh, around at the bottom, it uh, goes up to like 12, right? One to 12, zero to 12. At three, there's a green line. So if your error is below three, then humans can't tell that there's any difference there. So the, you, the goal here is get get these errors below three. Uh, if you're at yellow, you know around five, yeah, you can start to see that it's not the best it could be. Up at ten, you know your TV isn't looking real good. So the goal is how do you get this? You know, bring these lines together with the um, white balance adjustments, right? So if you go to each. If you go in there, you'll see at uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, there's places where you can adjust red, green, and blue levels. And what you're doing is adjusting the amount of output of each of those uh, levels hitting the screen. So you bring them all down together. And when you do that, then over here, your error level, of course, goes down, right? Gotcha. So, so let me try to get to the after, right? So take a good look now. Remember this before. Remember here these errors. Like So 100 is pure white. And it's almost up at 10, right? That's how far off this is. So let me go back and try to share the other screen. And then while you're doing that, so how long is this process taking? So from so from start to finish, uh, is this a one-hour job? Is this a five-hour job? I mean, what are we talking about? This is about usually wise? two to three hours, depending oh, wow. on. And That's a good investment of time. Yeah, it, it's fun, right? And... In addition to the grayscale, you're also doing color. I don't have the color charts up. Uh, we can just keep going. The grayscale is the main thing. Color is also fun. You're just moving dots around. It's kind of the same thing. You're shooting for that uh, goal of the standard, right? Um, so depending on how much you want to chase perfection, it can take anywhere from two to four hours. And Mike, circling back to your other question from a while ago, which was how often do you do this? Um, once a year, maybe, right? You do the first one, that's the big one, then maybe six months or a year, depending on what you want to do. And uh, you, people aren't certainly aren't going to pay for this once a year because right. the cost is like 300 bucks, right? And you can get it when you buy a TV from Magnolia and Best Buy, you can buy a calibration to go with it. So that would mean, I mean, you have a professional come out, that's going to cost you $300? Yeah, you have a professional from Geek Squad. Hmm. trained yeah and i'm not a professional right this is just a hobby i'm I'm messing around and and i think i'm doing it right but maybe i'm not right but it seems seems to look pretty good from here if you look at the afters you can see i've been able to bring all those lines together for the red green and blue across the spectrum are are you guys seeing the screenshot yeah 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 Yeah. and then you see the errors over here all down below too so wow. this, this is pretty sweet. I mean, that, and that's so for our audio listeners, it's a drastic change. You had almost a bar graph that you saw bars, and now you're not seeing bars uh, for the level of error. Yep. And, and I noticed in the chart on the bottom right, is that doing the same sort of thing? Because oh, that was, I noticed a bunch of different, it's almost like a scatter plot. And yeah. those, were, those were moved down and to the right on the first 
time. And then in yeah. the middle, I guess, is pure white, and they're almost so, all nailing that pure white. In the middle is is the standard. Uh, oh, the standard. So, okay. Yeah, that's what you're going for. So you want every dot to be in there, and depending on how far they are off, you know, there'll be various places else on the scatter plot. The center of the dot, I believe, is called D6500. And it's, it's the color of white that they're shooting for. And you'll see this uh, outlier here. That's, that's probably 10% or 0%. The lower levels are harder to calibrate. So the profession, like the real professionals, they don't use this kind of meter that I have. They have an actual, it almost looks like a camera kind of thing that sits back from the screen. And those things cost like $20,000, $30,000. Wow. I mean, so that's for your movie theaters, right? That's where they're using those or, or are there people that use some of those for their home TVs? So I think the, uh, let's see if I can hit stop sharing now. Is that, should I hit that? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You bet. Yeah, we got it. Okay. So the people that use that are like the real professional calibrators, like, um, Robert Heron from, and, uh, Scott Wilkinson who hosts home theater geeks and folks from SpectraCal, when you buy this C6, what they do for these kind of meters, they also sell the X1s. They'll calibrate those against those expensive, super accurate, essentially scientific instruments. So these meters will be calibrated so that they are showing the same results as those expensive meters. <laughs> but they will drift. You're supposed to get these calibrated themselves once a year. I don't do that, like once every five years maybe. Because, again, I'm not a professional. I'm just doing this for fun. And it ends up, you know, it's looking better than it was when it started. Right. So uh, when you're talking about the difference between the, the version you have, the C6, mm -hmm. and let's say one of us just wants to go out and get started and grab the $100 one. Is this a hobby where it's a complete waste of money to go for that? Just if you're going to do it, hop into this price range or are they actually okay? Yeah, I, they're good. They're good to get started and play around. There's also free software. Um, and I had a bunch of links that I brought to the home server show meetup. Uh, on a, I'm trying to think what the thing was called. It's, I think it's HCS, HCFR is the uh, acronym for this free software. And that's how I got started was I went and bought an X-Rite uh, sensor. And then I downloaded this free software and played around with it. And after a while, like a couple of years, I finally said, all right, I'm doing this enough. I'm just going to buy the SpectraCal. So much easier, so much easier to understand and use. So, okay, so easier, higher quality, but you yeah. can still get started for $100 and, and yep. see if it's a hobby that you want to get into. Yep, and actually you know, play around with your TV and, and see if it makes an improvement. And yeah. uh, the standard I use for, you know, does this really make a difference? Every time I've done this, the spouse of the person that I've calibrated has said, yeah, that looks really good. Wife acceptance factor, right? Yeah. That's what we've yeah. talked about. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. My wife uh, will laugh at me. She says, you know, you spend more time watching calibration patterns than you do actually watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even get to enjoy the, uh, the fruit of your labor. But, well, well, it, you are enjoying it. Yeah, you are it's the fun it. for me. Yeah. So, yeah. And here's another tip, right? Everyone can use this. So had this conversation. Why do we need to buy a TV when we hardly ever watch TV? And why do we need to buy this really expensive TV? It's like, well, honey, we don't watch TV very often, right? Right. So when we do watch it, it means it's something special, right? Yeah. So if we're doing something special, don't you want that to be the best it possibly can be? So that's why <laughs> we need to buy an expensive TV. <laughs> <That'd> be great. <laughs> that's a that's a perfect argument. 
John Ken was asking in the chat room, uh, the $100 version. I have the Spider 5 up. Is this the $100 version? Do I have the right? If you, so, if you, if you could take a peek and look at my yeah, screen. So, is that so this is one of them, right? And there's another one called the X-Rite. It's X-R-I-T-E. Okay. Here, we'll, we'll look that up in real time. X-R-I-T-E. Color checker. Let's see. Um, yeah, that doesn't look right. This one? No. Yeah, there, yeah, is this one? Go. That one right there? Yes. No, this one right there, right? The the color monkey? Yeah. Yeah, and again, I've not used this, but look, it looks awfully similar to the one I have, doesn't it? Yeah, 154 on Prime today, so a little more expensive. Yep. Um, there are some cheaper versions of that there if you want to go with the purple. Or that, I guess, that's the pink, uh, but there's some, some other options. So if you're looking for... Here, we'll leave it on. Uh, and uh, you can use this. People use this to calibrate their computer monitors, too, if you're doing some photo work. Yeah, yeah that's do, where I, I see it do that? being very important. Yeah. Uh, my family is a family of like graphic designers. And seeing the true color, like what that's actually going to be, extremely important. I didn't even think about the fact yeah. that they could calibrate their screen. And I haven't messed with this, but the way I think that it works is the sensor goes over the screen, just like I described, and then there's software it runs on your computer, and then the computer will automatically put the colors up on the screen, and they know what they should be on the sensor readings, and I believe it'll change what they call a lookup table for what color is displayed on the screen, oh. so it automatically calibrates your screen for you. Got it. So, well, that makes sense. Again, I haven't played with that, but I think that's how it works. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, cool. I have never. I've I, listen. I watched your demo yep. when we were at Home Surf Show Meetup, and I just have never. I never thought about it, and um, and now I'm intrigued. I have to have you out to Nebraska so yeah. you can tune my. You're coming through, hey, you're you're you're, uh, you're you're getting close. So you know, maybe sometime you'll have yeah. to drive back. Yeah, that's true. And uh, coming to meet up again this year. Yeah, unfortunately. Yes, Jim's not going. Come on, I can't <laughs> yeah, I know. So, uh, and if you remember at last meetup, I sort of pseudo calibrated Dave McCabe's uh, television there. Well, there we go. Everyone's going to bring their TVs to meetup, and we'll just get it done. <laughs> I actually, uh, Vinyl Freak, if two years ago, I think it was two years ago, he brought his TV and his whole media center set up. So. Yeah, the, hey, the original but, plan was bring it back and let's calibrate it while we're there. But it's a couple out. Well, okay, so you're in the hotel room. We we or we're at the office at Microsoft. Yep. You calibrate it for that room, which is really bright and lots of windows. Tim takes it home. Isn't it out of calibration at that point? But the grayscale's still accurate. Okay. What's changed is that brightness and contrast that you'd have to adjust. And what's interesting, and I still can't believe this, I did this uh, calibration for this one person I work with, and on their at their house opposite from the tv was a whole bank of like 10 foot tall windows and sun was streaming in you ideally want to do this dark half the screen was wiped out from the sun hitting directly on it and i'm like messing with it It still worked now is it as best as it could be probably not but it's i was shocked that it still worked so did you you put it in the spot that wasn't getting wiped out from the sun yeah Yeah. yep that makes sense no, that makes sense. Anything else, John? As we got uh, Mike, anything else? Uh, all of a sudden, I have this urge to go calibrate my TV. So, uh, I know I'm, I'm going to go. I'm not going to pay the hundred dollars, but I'm going to go do the Xbox version again because the Xbox is really good because it's interactive, right? You got a controller, 
uh, it says, you know, it's kind of, it's very interactive, which helps me out, tells you exactly what menus to open, says, open this menu now. Okay, now do you have that open? Now start adjusting it until this, this, or this happens. Yep. So for the extreme novice like me, I've done that once, It it's a good way to get started, I think, into it. and just to notice the difference, because it was enough of a difference that now on this show, I'm like, oh, I can imagine what pro stuff does, because even just doing the simple version was noticeable. So uh, two other points, Jim. If you want to jump back on Amazon and search for calibration discs, there's a Spears and Munsell that will pop up. It's usually like 25 bucks for the Blu-ray. Yeah, I got it up that. here. I was just looking at it. That's funny that you mentioned that. Let me – I'll bring that up here while you're talking about it. Okay. And then the other thing, uh, when I did the meetup show, I said, okay, here's what I'm not calibrating, and that's HDTV – or I'm sorry, uh, high dynamic range television, right, for the 4Ks. Oh, yeah. Because – that is like the Wild West right now. The standards, I think, were finally agreed upon after Meetup. They were just getting to the UHD, Ultra HD standards. So they've got a wider color space to calibrate to. And then the other big thing is the high dynamic range. So uh, in the standard dynamic range for HDTV, we talked about those 100 nits, the level of brightness as being white. And then in HDR, HDR TVs... The standard is 10,000 nits, which is crazy. Like nothing can do that. So now you run into a problem because LEDs, Samsungs will get up to, I think, 2,000 nits now. The OLEDs will get up to 750 nits. But you want 10,000? But it's not the whole screen, right? So it's just little dots like stars or whatever to, to enhance the picture. But here's the problem. How do you take a Ultra HD disc that's been standardized for whatever brightness, 5,000 nits, whatever, and play that back on a TV that only goes to 2,000 or a TV that only goes to 750. So then they have to do what's called tone mapping to say, okay, and you know, we won't spend a lot of time here, but you can imagine, okay, how are we going to do this? If our TV only goes to 2,000 and we need to go to 10,000, well, we could like stretch that curve out so that when the 10,000 comes up, we're actually hitting our peak of 2,000, right? And then fill it in between there. Or you could say, okay, everything above 2,000, we're just going to peg at 2,000. and be. So that's not defined, and different uh, TV manufacturers do it different ways. So then you also have to have expanded sensors now, right? So this thing that used to only go to you know, pick a number 300 nits needs to go to 2000 now. So that's more expensive. And the software, how do you, you know, adjust your software and start making these measurements. And then as a calibrator, what do you adjust? And all that's really not well-defined right now. So give it maybe another year. I mean, yeah. how, how long do these standards take to kind of roll out? It's actually coming faster than I thought it would. And I would say in another year, it it's would be set. Okay. Standards there, but then it's like, what? How are the manufacturers going to settle into those standards? And different ones are going different ways. But then, how do we interpret those, and what do we want to do with it? So, lots of fun in the future. Lots of fun reading, right? So, Jim, that reminds me. I dug out my strengths finders before uh, the show. My number one strength finder, learner. Yeah. Learner. <laughs> I like it. I just, I like all it. I do is read about this stuff in AVS forums. No, that's good. That's good. We need that. I, you know, my 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 job here on Home Gadget Geeks is to find you guys uh, because I'm the you know I'm the arranger, activator, you know, woo communication, right? That's what I do. 
I get people talking. So I need I need to find you guys to be able to do it. What do you remember what the other four are? So oh, yeah, I got them right here, right? Yeah, yeah. Read, <laughs> rattle them off for me. All right. Number two, harmony. Oh yeah. Number three, consistency. Uh, four is responsibility, and five is achiever. Oh yeah, that makes sense. All right, that's good. That that responsibility is really a good one. I don't have any of that either. <laughs> it's a miracle. It's like you're a miracle. Just, I've done four three hundred of these shows. So you just talk and goof off a lot, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's really. I make stuff up. That's kind of that's kind of my job. So fake, fake podcast. You can't right. You can't even. You can't take really. You can't take me seriously for anything. <laughs> Is he? I don't know. It's questionable, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, all good. Uh, but we John, feel good when you're telling us all this. Totally. Stuff. Yeah, I've got you. That, that Woo Communications got you pretty snowed. So it's uh, it's it's uh, it's pretty great, you know. Um, John, some great stuff. And for those who couldn't make Home Server Show Meetup last year, that's a little bit of kind of what we talked about right during your session. Yep. There, you kind of you kind of regave that. So I think Dave has already posted that information for the Home Server Show Meetup. Uh, that's kind of I think we're calling it the Reset Meetup now. Uh, this time or something like that. And so if you head over to the home server show forums, but I think now is the reset forums. I haven't been over there since you changed the name, but I think yeah. that's all set. Is that so uh, hashtag last beat up ever? Last, yes, it is the last one. And you know, I might, because since he announced it's last ever, I might How pull some strings. I know. Yeah. I think I'm going to pull some strings. <laughs> uh, so, Jim, for your show notes, uh, if you want, I can like send you all the links that I, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah, we actually, found some of them, but it'd be awesome if you yeah, throw them. I actually have it in Google Docs. So I can just share it to you real quick. Yeah, that'd Not be great. Now, yeah, later. no. Yep. Sometime, sometime this weekend, you know you know my yep. production schedule. Um, John, we also wanted to talk a little bit about Plex because all three of us have kind of jumped on the Plex bandwagon as of late. Um, can you talk, first of all, let's just walk through your Plex setup. So okay. talk about the equipment you're using, including your home server. Sure. Uh, so... My home server, which I built in 2009, and because I, I got started on all this, actually listening to you and Dave McCabe on Home Sorry. Server Show. I apologize. <laughs> it's, it's back when I got into Media Center, and I got into Media Center because a uh, number of reasons, but essentially I ended up with this really crappy Comcast uh, DVR that was unusable. So, and at the same time, the Seton card came out that allowed us to actually begin to use uh, Media Center with cable cards, right? So found you, found Entertainment 2.0 with uh, Josh Pollard, Richard Gunther. Yeah. Learned a lot about Media Center, built Media Center. Um, and we'll, we'll come back to why I switched to Plex. But my Plex uh, box starts with the HD Home Run Prime, which has a cable card in it with three tuners. That goes into uh, the stuff is stored on my home server. So my home server has, um, I did the full fauché, as they call it. Oh, man, I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> yeah. So I got the Rocket Raid card, and I got six two-terabyte hard drives. Uh, did a RAID 1 array for two of them to put documents on, data. And then the remainder of them I use for pictures, movies, that stuff. So I got nine so How much total? Nine. Okay. Nine terabytes for video, two terabytes for uh, the documents. So right now I'm pushing all of my um, Plex recordings from the Plex DVR onto the home server. And then I can access that. I have the, uh, and I, I might just, while you guys talk, I'll jump and see what that piece of software is that I was telling you about that actually is the 10 foot interface for Plex on HTPCs that I'm running in my living room. Yeah. And, yeah. No, that'd um, be good. 
Hey, I'll but let me that. hold on before you do that. Let me let me back up just a smidge. So, let me just remind folks if you're listening. And you're in, we've been talking about Plex off and on over the last oh couple months because they've had a lot of great news. But for those uh, for those who haven't been paying attention, they've been doing a lot over there at Plex to kind of bring up you know come up to speed on what they're doing. And so, um, they most recently uh, launched kind of a DVR beta, which would allow you to take Plex. It always been just watch movies get your photos or whatever. It, it had been just kind of a basic, if you had the media that existed already, that's all you could do. They launched the beta. It was closed for a while, open again, um, supported just a handful of devices. But most recently they have opened that up to almost, I mean, a ton of devices. And when I say devices, I mean those network tuners. We're, we're Silicon Dust. A lot of the listeners in, to, to this show and home server show have bought those Silicon Dust. But there's a bunch of others. Mike, what, you you got a USB version of one, right? Uh, yeah, the Hoppage is the name of it. It's yeah. like a Win TV. So you can get a USB. It's got two tuners in it. Works out just well. It just as well. It's like $60, I think, for that. So it was a little bit cheaper than the uh, HD yeah, runs. Network tuners are 100 bucks. let's just say. Right. I think something yeah. like that. And uh, so they started supporting just a few, and now they've opened more and more and more. Same time, they're getting uh, the DVR capabilities running. Um, and so we've been testing that for a while, recording that's been available for oh, a couple months now. They just recently made an announcement where it's available on iOS, and I think they'll be start supporting more and more of those going forward. So anyways, that brings you up to speed on where we're at, John. Okay, so that uh, piece of software I run on my home theater PC in my living room is called Plex Media Player. And I just installed it and it just worked. Uh, I had my uh, Windows Media Center running on the same computer. So I had a Logitech Harmony One remote control. So I had the um, IR receiver hooked up to my home theater PC. So I just brought this up and it just worked. I didn't have to adjust anything. I didn't have to you know, customize the Harmony. Just works and it's awesome. The only downside, um, and I don't know if I told you this the other day, but I was looking through the Plex forums, and one of the topics is the question was, does Plex get play, paid by the click? Because to move through this, <laughs> I mean, it, it is just click after click. You know, get into the series, get into the episode list, get into the episode you want, press play, press play again, right? So, very, it's it's not user friendly and move back and forth in. But it does the job, and it looks good, and it, it just works. Yeah, I agree. That I, you know, I didn't really think about it until you said the clicks. It's really true on, on any app, really. Even on some of them are better than others, but on Fire Stick especially, it is quite a few clicks to get to what you want. But I think they're trying to get past that by having that dashboard where it's what's up next, right? So you can say, okay, without jumping into the series, I can automatically see that episode seven is what I need to click on and it's right there in front of you. So they're doing a little bit better job, but you're right. So many clicks just to get down to the play. Yep. And uh, so Mike, we were talking earlier about ComSkip, right? So, right. so what I do is I have this uh, go into a folder on my uh, Windows home server and I'm running MCE Buddy. And MCE Buddy is watching that folder. And when it sees a new recording come in, I've got ComSkip. I run the donators version of that. It's uh, interfaced with MCE Buddy. So it'll process the show, remove the commercials, and then actually cut the show up and remove the commercials and jam it together as a new recording. So when I started this, I actually had two folders set up where I would preserve the original. And then I also had another one with the commercials cut out. And this thing has been so rock solid, I just stopped saving that original copy. I just have the commercial cut out now. And it's, it's solid. Yeah, and I love that. It really you know, it makes a difference. It cuts out the commercials, and it also makes those file sizes way smaller. Because when it's pulling it down, Jim and I were talking about this in the pre-show. 
his network tuner, it gives him a .ts file and I get a .mkv. Both of them are huge. We talked about being about six to eight gigs for an hour's worth of TV. So you're right. I run MCE, buddy. I took off Comskip because I was having some issues, but I think I need to give it a shot again. Maybe I wasn't giving it a, a fair shake, but um, it really does. It compresses those, runs in the background. And the thing I like about it is that for me, the way I have mine set up is it doesn't even have to move the files when it's done because I just have it look, it looks through my entire, so my Plex TVs folder, it just looks in there, grabs it, and then replaces it. It doesn't even move it, doesn't store it anywhere different. So Plex in the end doesn't really have to do much different because it's saved right to the same location when I go in there. Because Plex, the thing I love about Plex, if you're using it to record TV is it creates a great file structure. When you go into where your files are, it does a great job of organizing those by seasons and names it the correct name. Uh, so I like MCE Buddy that you can just let it keep that structure, that name, and simply do the conversion and remove the commercials if you want. Yep. The uh, the other thing, yeah, talking about eliminating clicks. So I noticed I had this thing called, I set it up, I just made a folder called Plex DVR without commercials, right? So when in this Plex Media player that would pop up on my uh, TV, it, I have HD tracks music. I've got other music. I got CD rips. I got movies on and on and on. And this thing was like 10 clicks down on the file structure. So to get to TV, it's like, da, 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 da. so I'm like, okay, how do I fix this? And I went in and changed it from Plex DVR to a Plex DVR. And that popped it right up to the top because you're using eight. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. I've done that before quite a few times trying to get that back up. Yeah. Uh, Drashna has mentioned in um, uh, MB. Is that how you pronounce it? EMBY? Mm-hmm. MB? Yes. Um, yeah, it, it started out, it was Media Browser as a plugin for Media Center. Mm-hmm. So MB. Yep. Uh, now on their on their website, looks like they've got quite a bit of functionality when we think about uh, what's going on with Plex. They got some, you know, they even mentioned Chromecast. Like I was trying to Chromecast from Plex iOS off my server because I thought, oh, this this would work really nice to be able to, because my wife watches live shows, and it would be a lot easier to remove the Media Center uh, PC and just have her stream it and Chromecast it. Plex is not supporting Chromecast yet on the iOS. Looks like MB is. Um, for what? I Chromecast all the time for my from Plex. For live. Um, oh, from for live. Yeah, okay, live TV. No, I'm talking live yet. TV. Yeah, that's good to know. So yeah. are these two are these two comparable? I haven't I haven't tried. MBA. They're super comparable. It comes down to I was giving Drash a hard yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's one of those like you know when they get so close to each other, uh, pretty much they're yeah. You just got to pick one and go for it. But he's right. MB has had the live TV for a little bit longer. Uh, it just depends on kind of. I think it just depends on what you got started with. Like um, like you said, when you it used to be an extension for Media Center. So. So, uh, Jim, a couple other things I want to mention. So with yeah, live yeah, TV, yeah. before Plex came out with the live TV, there were plugins that you could put into Plex. And one of those was that did support live TV. And I just installed that. And again, it just worked. Now, the interface isn't the best. You got to go in. You can pick your channels off of the um, HD Home Run. But it would put up a, it would have the menu uh, of what was on now and like a summary of the show. And you could scroll down through it again with a bunch of clicks and you would get live TV and it pretty much worked. The real drawback right now that's holding us all back from Plex is lack of a grid guide, right? Yes. Just the way they decided to implement it was not a good guide. It's yeah. not the way I want to see things. Do you guys know the story behind all that? Mm-hmm. Why there isn't a grid guide? Mm. So Rovi, who, so I think TiVo had the original patent for the grid guide. 
Roe v. Bot TiVo. Roe v. is where you get your um, grid guide for Media Center and also for your Xbox, right? So if we need it, if we want a grid guide, we've got to pay for the patent use. And at oh. this point, I'm, I'm like, come on, Plex, I'll pay an extra five bucks a month if you give me the grid guide. Right. Yeah, so, so you're telling me that that's owned by, by one company, that just the ability to put the grid guide. It's owned by Rovi, yep. Huh. Did not know that. So like uh, Silk and Dust, they also don't have a grid guide. So these companies are trying to figure out, okay, how can we get this information of what's coming up to people? John, is there, is there a DVR solution coming along? I mean, I know they had that yeah. Kickstarter, and I haven't, I haven't heard much beyond that. Yeah. So I did the Kickstarter. That's actually where I got my HD Home Run Prime, and I just really haven't had time to mess with it. And I was reading the forums for Silicon Dust, and there was a lot of complaints back in the early days, and that's been a while now. And that was the other thing. So after the Kickstarter, it just took forever to get the software releases on the Silicon Dust. And I pretty much just gave up on it. And every now, a couple of months, I'd go back and take a look and people were complaining about something. I've not come back. And Plex came out with their DVR solution. It just works. I don't know that I'll be going back to Silicon Dust, especially if they really get rolling on this live TV stuff. Well, they make great hardware. And I, you know, soar with your strengths. Like, so yeah. it's it's one of those things. I, I have two of their t- tuners. I actually took their old, I had an old two tuner, the old one, the white ones. Mm-hmm that had uh, separate tuners in them, you know, or separate connections. Um, I just recently took that off the wall. It wasn't, Plex wasn't supporting it. I didn't think it was going to, they eventually did, which is, they're supporting almost everything from Silicon Dust now. But I I took it off the wall and took it to my son's place. He needed a network tuner. And I thought, well, you know, we'll pass it down to him and and give it to him. Um, And and so that's off the wall. So I'm now at a four and you would think that's enough, but there are a few nights or I need a fifth or maybe even a sixth to record all the shows that we want. So I may, I may be picking up another one. Oh. So the other thing that pushed me into the Plex DVR was uh, Comcast. And Comcast, at least in our area, and they're doing this across the country, has changed their container from MPEG-2 to H.264. And when they did that, some of my channels will now – I have no video. So I'll change to the channel – and it'll pop up, I'll hear audio, and it's just a black screen. And I don't have this problem with Plex DVR. So I had to go through Media Center and actually turn off channels that just plain wouldn't work. So the reason they're doing this is to save bandwidth. And here's the other really, really irritating thing that they're doing. They are down-resing to 720p. So everything I record from Comcast is in 720p now. Meaning everything that goes over your HD home run into Plex is 720? Everything on my media, everything Comcast broadcast. Oh, is, is yeah, through your cable card, through what you're recording on your cable yeah, card. Yeah. And are you doing over the air at all? No, I live okay. too far away. I'm probably 30 miles from Baltimore. Okay. I'm shocked they can, you know, on the TV side, you're going to notice that difference. So even if yes. you have the box, it's all still compressed down 720. Yes. Wow, and, and imagine going to a 4K TV now. Right. It's going to look terrible. Right. So I've not seen it on 4K TV, but yeah. Why in the heck? What are you saving, really? So right. I, I don't know what the master plan is, but lots of uh, entertaining reading on AVS forums about that. Yeah, I need to check into Cox. I was going to look into the HD home run with the cable card solution because I've still got another year and two months before I can leave Cox. 
So I did the math. doesn't make sense to leave until my two years is up. And I just moved into this house and they re-upped me without me thinking about it. Uh, so yeah, I need to check with them, but I, cause I think we switched over to their contour solution and I don't know if you can actually even get a cable card now that I'm using their whole contour setup. So we'll see. I still, the over the air stuff's fine with me and really we sh- cause we're going to just cut cable off because we have Hulu and everything, Netflix, we have Amazon prime, all of them. So we don't even watch live TV and especially DVR content. Like I said, on the pre-show, the only one I really do it for is my son. We record PBS content so that I always have a constant slew of new uh, Daniel Tiger's neighborhood and everything That's for right. him. So, yeah. so our big channels we watch are Food Network and HGTV primarily. So yeah. back to that learner thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, fixer upper. I'm in this old house. So I have this old house, this old house, our ass, yes. this old house. I didn't right, know those were still on until I got over the air. Yeah. I'm like, this is sweet. No, they're all those. those. They're great. There's the Raja, Raja, and <laughs> and uh, Tom, and uh, those guys are out there. Yeah. Um, so if you uh, if you jump over to the greenbutton.tv, lots of discussion about you know everyone's facing these problems. It's the same thing. People tried upgrading their video cards. That seems to work for some, not the others. Mm. Uh, fingers are pointing back and forth. Essentially, I think what it comes down to is that Microsoft isn't gonna include the whatever codec they need for media center, certainly at this point. But again, I have no issues with Plex. One of the things I want to try when I have time is maybe take something like a Sharky's codec pack and install that and see if that fixes it for media center. But yeah, the real race will be. That's local to you, John, because we we're here on Cox (laughs) in Nebraska. We're not having those problems with media. This is Comcast. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just so, just so listeners are clear. Uh, that's a regional or, or at least uh, it, I, Cox has been doing some crazy things, Mike. So I um, wouldn't be surprised if they if they pulled some of that trickery as well. Media Center still working for us really, really well. In fact, Sarah's on it right now. We have it on a separate, you know, Core i3 PC that just runs. And but but I am definitely looking to replace it because I'm. It's going to break at some point, right? It's just going to stop working. Whether the hardware goes or they Microsoft stops supporting the guide or some of those kinds of things, and so this journey that Mike and I and you as well are kind of taking, or what what's the next step? What are we going to do? And it's a wife acceptance factor kind of thing. She's got to be able. I mean, this is the one important thing. I've thrown a lot of jankity tech at her. This is one of them that has to work. Like, I am not going to throw out a substandard thing that just doesn't work. Plex isn't there yet, but I think John, I think it will. I there. These guys are revving super fast, and I think we're going to see some great stuff. I, I think so, too, and I, I got to give some kudos to my wife. She's been living in Plex for the last two weeks. and Completely? You know, yeah, and she knows how to close out Media Center and bring up the, the Plex Media Player and, and click the button 57 times to get to the one show she wants to watch. Right? What's the name of that 10-foot interface again that you're <laughs> using? Plex Media Player. And okay. it's if you go to Plex's website, it's in there somewhere. Available for Windows? Is that what? Yeah. What? It's just a little, little program. Yeah. We're still not ready, and and I I'm waiting. I think we have. You know, we need the live. I need. I would like live to work on all devices plus buffering, so you can pause it. That's not working. Um, and so you know, and God, it would be great if on Android. That's her phone. If she could just start it on her phone and then Chromecast it, and then the PC is gone. Like I don't. At that point, I'm done. We're done serving up. I'm done having a dedicated PC just to run a, you know, to run a media center interface. That would work great. Yep. 
I'll, I'll probably keep the home theater PC for quite a while because I use it for other things too, mm. like playing high res audio through my stereo system and that kind of stuff. Uh, so the other thing we might want to touch on is, you know, why did they start with just iOS? Right. We talked about that and theory of starting maybe a little smaller, working the kinks out before they get to the web interface, which most people are using. Right. I don't, it'll be yeah. curious to see just how quickly the live TV expands for Plex. Yeah, well, I think that once they figure out and get the kinks worked out on on iOS, then I think it just goes snappity snap snap right on the Android will come out because it came out on Android TV, so yeah. it's there. It's just not there for Android phones yet. And I think I I would imagine in a month we'll have an Android phone version. And like I said, it's going to be weird. So if you think about the buffering problem, where's it going to buffer? And yeah. so, you know, you're, I, I, you, I want to buffer it on the server, not on the phone. Like, yeah. so we, they got to get that working and get that reliable. We got to get the sync stuff working right. You know, some of those. Pieces. And especially if you store all your stuff on a NAS, but that's not what's running Plex, you know, where is it even buffering it at? Right. Yeah. So yeah. No, more, tra- more network traffic. But you know, yeah. what's interesting about this whole cord cutting movement, two things. First is that we're getting into this over-the-air stuff like it's some new technology, which is my favorite part. We still we like I, I went upstairs and I, I plugged in the antenna. I'm like, do you know that they send TV through the air for free? You don't have to pay for it. Like it's fantastic. Like it's like it's some new novel thing. But I'm going back to it like it is because I'm like, oh man, finally cable prices have gotten so high. And so number two with that is these cable companies are getting smart though, pretty much. When I call to cancel, even when I do cancel, I'm not even saving that much by getting rid of everything. I yeah. have the the amount they're going to charge me for my internet speed that I have right now. I mean, add $40 onto that and I have the Premier Contour, seven boxes, all the channels. I'm like, well, $40 a month. Yeah, that's significant, but okay. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's getting less and less so because the cable companies keep hiking up the price for that internet because they know, right? They've got you with those bundles because as soon as they start losing those TV deals and then channels start dropping it's a it's a tumbling effect so they'll take a hit on tv if they can increase their internet prices do anything to keep you with as long as you're subscribed that's all they care about i watched a major a major league baseball game but it wasn't just the game it was they were flipping between this was on twitter last night they were flipping between games and showing the best baseball of the night and then they had commentators talking about and all these special segments and i thought this was all on twitter I thought, okay, this is, we're definitely moving this direction. Oh, yeah. This so it's like NFL Red Zone for baseball. Yeah. I no, love Red Zone. I can't watch full games of football anymore besides besides the Huskers. But besides that, because I just want to see scoring. I'm like, man, this is so boring. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is no way I'm going to sit through this whole game. It's like watching golf, because you know that's what they do in golf. Like, there's, right, exactly. there's never a single shot that's alive. They're only picking the best ones yeah. and showing, you know, showing the best stuff that you want to watch. And so it's awesome when they're flipping, you know, on any night, there's probably, I don't know, what, 15, 20 MLB games going on. And they're just, they were just going, you know, they were showing highlights and, hey, special moment happened. This guy just hit his thousandth home run or something, whatever. And um, it was pretty cool. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is, we're, we're there. We, we have made it. But that being said, uh, Tony uh, had said in chat in, in in Twitter earlier he was interested in a little bit of the cloud services that Plex is offering, and they've kind of rolled this out 
oh, I don't know, last six months or so where it has, um, where it now you can connect it to uh, Dropbox or you can connect your, you can put your files up in OneDrive or you can do the Google Drive. Those three are available. I priced them all out. And for one terabyte, they're all the same price right now. So it's $9.99 a month, basically. Um, there's some other deals uh, that you can get. Um, Google's just a straight $99 a year if you want to get it that way. Um, Microsoft actually has a pretty good deal. You can get five terabytes of storage now in their premium OneDrive um, uh, offering for 90 bucks. Well, let's say it's call it 99, 100 bucks, right? If you buy the annual or $9, $9.99 a month if you do it that way. Five terabytes will get you some storage in the cloud. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah. So but, it, um, Dropbox is the same way. It's basically 10 bucks for, for a terabyte out there. Um, I think if I'm going to jump to the cloud and I'm going to, I've got some serious, I checked my, you know, I checked my movie files. I have 132 gig. So, you know, I don't really need five terabytes out there, but John, have you thought about the cloud? I mean, I know you're doing everything, but, but there could be some convenience of just keeping your movies in the cloud too. Right. I just don't see it. Right. Because, uh, you know, if you've got to pay to upload it to the cloud, and with Plex, you have the ability to access it remotely, right? So I've got my and it my works PF like a dream, so yeah. easy. Yeah. I've got my PF Sense set up to forward the ports through, and then you can, as Jim, you you and I tested out sharing accounts, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I, I didn't know if you works. wanted me to say that, so uh, I held off on that. That's just uh, you know back to that learner thing, right? We're just experimenting, yeah. trying to figure things out. Yeah, but but it works, and so I don't understand why I would spend the money on a cloud service, spend the money to upload, you know, my bandwidth to upload it there, and then have to download it again when I can just come right into my server and get it wherever I want in the world. Yeah. Well, there, there's got to be some use cases from yeah. people who don't want to set up, you know, think about oh, coming to this, you've got a bunch of media, you don't want to set up the NAS. You know, we all come from this home server background where we're crazy about our own local storage. And yeah. so we always see that and we always will. Um, uh, so we'll always see that through that local, the local storage. We love the rate arrays. We love our Drobos, or Synologies, our QNAPs, whatever, right, Mike, whatever you currently are running these days. <laughs> what are you running? FreeNAS? QNAP. QNAP, okay. Yeah, right. I was running FreeNAS, but that box was just way too much power take, for take nothing. some energy. Yeah. But yeah, so, John, I think we come at it from that perspective. And then, um, but I, I could see some folks who are like, well, I'm new to Plex. You know, you can't do any of this recorded TV, right? I mean, that's it's just movies. It's just what you have recorded, you know. Are you sure? I mean, yeah. How would you record? How would you push if you recorded it locally and then pushed it up to the cloud? You could oh, you mean for the cloud service? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. the cloud service. My, my daughter's off, you know, away from home, and she's watching a uh, recorded TV just through the again no. back to the server. Yeah, yeah. No, I told my daughter she's headed down to Northwest Missouri State in the in the fall, and I told her, okay, we need to get your Plex stuff all set up because if yeah. you want to watch local TV, now I don't. She's doesn't she didn't even watch local TV when she lived here. <laughs> so I'm not sure that's gonna do anything for her. But but I did I did offer that, you know, hey, let's set up your own account on Plex. You can access that via your phone from anywhere, you know, using our Plex Pass. Yep. All right, Mike, any other thoughts? Oh I uh I I have server envy. And I got to stop, you know, sometimes I start talking in the chat about servers and buying that sort of stuff. And you guys started talking about that and it just gets me way too excited. And then I need to go out and buy things. And so that's where my head's at. You said so. you were looking at a Dell 
Uh, yeah, those Dell R710s are just awesome machines. They're huge, but uh, pretty quiet because of how big they are, big enough fans. You can get them on eBay now uh, with dual Xeons. Josh and I were just talking about that for, oh man, I lost this one. He got it for 172 and I had set my max big to 165. So I, and I wasn't quick enough. And you know, when you get down to the last second, the computer pretty much just takes over. So I lost by like $6, but $172 for dual Xeons. Uh, it had 48 gigs of memory. Um, I mean, pretty good two, two terabyte drives for you. And then obviously there's eight bays in that thing. So they're a nice little servers. Uh, a couple years old. So they're yeah, a couple years old. Energy. Uh, yeah. uh, John, Jim, you, Oh, go ahead. John. I was gonna say, uh, if you remember at home server show, I was lucky enough at the meetup. I was lucky enough to win the two five terabyte drives that Doggy brought. Right. Ooh. And then, so I went out and got a third one. So now I have three, five terabyte drives and I'm just itching to, buy a Synology box to put that in. And I was thinking I'd just put, use that to store all my Plex video, but I haven't, haven't taken the jump yet down. I haven't, Synology haven't done it just yet, huh? but the drives are sitting there waiting. Yeah. Well, I've, um, uh, for, I, I've just put some small drives together and, and uh, use the stable bit drive, you know, drive pools to put those together. I've got, I bought a license for that. It's great for that. It works Awesome. So I have five drives in there. And like you, I've got three partition one way and two partition another. And I'm trying to think of what I store. I store something on that smaller partition. Oh, I forget. Maybe it's the virtual stuff. And then do all the Plex TV, uh, both recorded TV and, well, no, the movies are on the Drobo. That's just a easy way to watch the movies. That way. Hey, I'd love to slam those five terabyte drives into the Drobo. Yeah, I bet. That'd be pretty nice. I still have one one terabyte drive in there that I'm going to have to replace here at, at some point coming up. But have, So when you, John, when you buy the third five five terabyte drive, are you going to rate them? Are you going to buy a rate card? Yeah. No, I was going to do the Synology and just get oh, a four-base okay. Synology. Oh, so you're and, serious about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. Jim, we wouldn't joke about Synology. <laughs> <laughs> Synology's got great stuff. They do. They, they really, really do. They really do. Yeah. yeah, and I think today... Uh, Drobo has finally fixed itself, which is great. They have righted the ship over there at Drobo and, and they are making an, their software is amazing right now. It's crazy how many improvements they've made here in the last year, two years now since the new management has been in place. So those guys did a great job. Right? So, to be so, able to come back from a, a catastrophe like that, that's a rarity. They have completely fixed the company. It's amazing. Uh, what they've done and and are really making it at a pretty competitive price. Some some good stuff, and then of course Synology and QNAP. Those are really the three. I kind of when we think about those, the three I like to talk about, and the three that I think are ready, um, ready for prime time. Mike, you're on the QNAP. We just mentioned that. So um, and you have the two bay, two bay. Yeah, no fan, nothing. So processing power super low. But for if you're just wanting two drives in there, not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a little little ARM processor. Yeah, it was, yeah. but it was like seventy five dollars. Can't yeah. beat it. No, right on. But now so, those things have come down in price so much. You can get a. Uh, I got my parents two or four bay. Either way, a Synology, and they've come down in price a lot. And that thing, even just transferring files, blew the pants off my QNAP. I had it set up here. I was setting it up here before I took it down to Kansas City, and I almost gave them my QNAP and just told them that that's what I got them <laughs> because I was like, they would never. No, and no. Uh, no, you can't do that, right? Uh, you no, know, no, you totally can't. <laughs> no, I, I totally could have. <laughs> hey, Jim. Uh, the other thing that I'm I'm starting to get the itch to build another machine. I'm sure Christian's out there. He'll probably uh, 
be feeling the same way. But uh, think about a 4K capable home theater PC, mm-hmm. right? Because the um, UHD, the Ultra HD drives are available for PC now. And I think, uh, was it PowerPC actually has the UHD software and uh, the video cards are there. So it's, and of course, storage is Why cheap. not just an Xbox One X? Yeah, but again, this learner thing. I know, I got you. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. I, I, gotcha. I don't. I don't learn nearly as uh, many new words as I do in you know, when I build a computer. And you can't build it yourself. You can't build an Xbox yeah. One X yourself. But uh, yeah. of course, that announcement is out, and some pretty cool hardware in that thing. And it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. You know, not a major. Yeah, not a major rev. A major hardware rev. I don't yeah. think the software is going to change much. But they've been doing a lot on Xbox. So and you I know, know the cool part about that oh, is, is they've kept the same. The person who has that new system with all the new power we're going to be able to play the same game and we can still play with each other, but them as a prosumer can enjoy it. Like with, you know, better graphics and everything, which is awesome, right? The fact that they didn't have to do what they've always done in consoles, which is Nope, cut off. We're going to stop making Xbox one games. We're moving to Xbox X games or whatever. Uh, I like the way that Microsoft handled that. And I hope that PlayStation follows suit and they kind of all kind of go that way. It's the right way to do it. Right. Let, let, let the people who can only afford a $150 system play with the people who have a $700 system yeah. and they just have different experiences. You know, yeah. a 12 year old kid doesn't care what the graphics look like. If they look all insane and pro, he just wants to play the game with his friends. So I like it. I actually was surprised it came in at the price point. It did. I thought they were going to be Me too. I was shocked way higher. Shocked. I, I was hoping for a hundred bucks less, but mm. it, it's going to be interesting. Right. So if you think about when the Xbox one first came out, it was the same thing. Right, they're right. hundred bucks more expensive, but it, uh, from what I hear, their experience is better now. The hardware is better than the Sony, right? Yeah, yeah well, I, I don't know. It's kind of it's again, it's probably like the MB versus Plex thing, right? They're both they're both great, but uh, I'm an Xbox fan, and I think I'm actually gonna pick one of these up uh, later wow. in the year. I kind of I want to try it out, see the difference, and I'm not a huge gamer, but we don't have anything that plays 4K, so it seems like a good way to get into 4k, have the capability and get a cool gaming system out of it uh, being that option. I I was going to ask you guys what, you know, we actually didn't talk about what kind of TVs we have. Right. And you don't want to know. That's because I'm embarrassed. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. We'll go with what do you have? So Uh, so it kind of ties into where we were going with uh, the Xbox one. All right. So I still have my, uh, when, when Samsung announced that they were going to quit making plasma TVs, a couple of years ago, that was before the OLEDs came out. I had a uh, Pioneer Kuro 55 inch, and at that, and I'd had it for many years. And at that point, then it's like, okay, it's time for a new TV. So I got a 65 inch Samsung plasma, and I still have that. It's probably three or four years old now. So don't have a 4K TV, but I've been watching the OLED prices start to come down, and I've been taking little baby steps towards that transition. So I got an Xbox One S that will play Ultra HD. And uh, I think a couple months ago, I upgraded my receiver. So I have a Denon 3300 receiver, which will pass through UHD now. And uh, I got to tell you, too, I put a plug in for their uh, calibration, their uh, audio calibration that's built in, the Odyssey. In my old Denon, it, it was good. The new one, markedly better. I just sit there. It's like, man, this sounds good. <laughs> so now the, the last piece of this puzzle is the actual monitor. So I've been watching the LG 65-inch C7 prices come down. 
And they came out at $5,000, which is a lot for a TV. Mm-hmm. And they recently got down to 3500 So it won't be too much longer till they're down around 3000 and then maybe a Black Friday sale. And you're you're barking about a hundred bucks on an Xbox One S. X? <laughs> yeah, on, I was John. just thinking that. Jeez. Three thousand bucks for a TV. I'm I, I buy you know my TVs are in that seven hundred dollar range. Yeah. That's kind of what when they get into the seven seven fifty. We we're we're running. It must be six or seven year old Samsung. You know, probably second generation. And and it you know what it does its job. Right now, yeah. we're not. We are not big TV. Sarah watches it. She loves it. She doesn't need any more. I do everything back here on monitors, and I just I'm not. If I'm if I'm watching a movie, I'm sitting in this chair watching it on the screen right here. <laughs> right. You know, and I just don't. I just don't need that much. Yeah. So again, for me, it's about the technology, the experience, right the playing around. Right. I, right on. Ironically, yeah. I don't watch TV very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a busy guy. John, but when I do, for- man, it is so awesome. John, right. great to finally get you on Home Gadget Geeks. I'm glad we could uh, we could pull this off. We need to do this a little more often, yeah, and so we'll figure time. out. Yeah, we'll figure out ways to to get that done. Um, when we get Plex all the way in and working, and I think it's a replacement, we ought to do a big Plex show. Oh yeah, so should. think about that, and and we could have our spouses on talk about how much <laughs> wonderful Plex is when it's not giving the two screen of death. Do we really want Hannah, Sarah, and Kelly on the program? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It would uh, it would be interesting. I've had Sarah on once, maybe twice. I think I'm trying to think back to. I know at least once. She doesn't like to come on. Kelly would probably not want to. Yeah. So so here's the question, right? We all get why can't I just watch TV? Right. <laughs> why can't I just turn on the light? Can you just make it work? <laughs> You know, that's the, that's the deal. Well, I, I really do, you know, one, one more thought on that Plex thing. I really do think when I can have her set recordings, play live programs, pause them and have it work all from her phone, Chromecasting, boom, we are, it's that PC is coming, that theater PC for me, the theater PC is coming out. We're done. That's going to work. And I think that's going to work great. I think the phone is a really good device. Sit there, get it queued up on your phone, Chromecast to put the phone down. Boom. And phones are just going to get more powerful as well. Yeah. It's crazy the power they have now. No, right on. I'm, I am alert. You know, my, my Plex box is going to, you know, it's a, it's a second generation core i3 540 that's going to need, it's getting a little long in the tooth. It's probably five or six years old at this point. And it's great. And I don't know about you, but I watch, I put up a resource monitor from time to time and just kind of see how it's doing and transcoding it struggles. I mean, it, it definitely maxes it out. So, so I, was, I was playing around the Plex settings the other day, and uh, I think this was from the live TV. And you can adjust the transcoding level, right? And it's like you know, low, medium, high. And it was like hurt my CPU was actually <laughs> one of the settings. That's the level. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't, I, that should probably check that because it's, um, that would probably be smart because it'll, it'll still transcode it with quality. It'll just do it slower. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that yeah, it? I think uh, the comp skips the same way. I think I have comp skips set to only use a certain amount of power when it's doing the processing. Yeah. I got, I got to get into that a little bit more. That MC, that MC, uh, no, M, what's MC, it? The buddy MCE buddy, MCE and, buddy, 30 bucks yeah. lifetime. Uh, is that, is that what like, you can get it for free. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you want to get the donors version, thirty bucks, I think. That's super. Uh, awesome. or, yeah, and then ten bucks for Comskip if you want the 
better version. Yeah, and it pay the money, right? So I, I messed around with MCE Buddy Free for about a couple days, and I just said no. And it's just so much better. Pay the money. Yeah. It's, yeah. Or they're worth it. They, hey, they're it's 30 bucks, it. Jim. $3,000 TV, $30 for the $100 Xbox, $30 in software. Yeah, yeah. Pay, yeah. Pay, for, pay for that. It's, it's, uh, it's totally worth it. Well, guys, uh, hang around. Can you hang around for a little post-show, John? Oh, yeah. Would that work? Okay, good. Hang, hang tight. Uh, we'll, we'll remind folks, if you want to support the show, if you want to do it through Patreon or Amazon affiliate link, you can do those both. Head out to theaverageguy.tv and just look for, on the right-hand side, just look for either one of those boxes, and there's pretty easy instructions on how to get through. We want to thank those who are currently Patreon subscribers, and uh, I think next week or two weeks we'll announce your names on there if you're doing that. And uh, But thanks for doing that. We always appreciate it and using that. I'm hanging out there most days. And I'll love to hear from you both ways. If you get some feedback for the program, that's great. Don't forget the AverageGuy.tv platform, both web and media hosting powered by Maple Grove Partners. Of course, get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people you know and trust. One of them in the chat room tonight, oh. Christian Johnson. Welcome to the program. <laughs> great to have him out here. He doesn't have a, he doesn't have a job. I mean, he has one job. So he doesn't a, have a job. I mean, he has one. Well, he's he has got one, one job. job it's basically not like having a job at all for him. Wow. So. Besides the, uh, Maple Grove Partners. Besides, so yeah, besides what he does. So if you want to hear about what Christian's doing Tuesday, <laughs> come join us live, Cyber Frontiers, 8 p.m. Central. Um, we'd love to have you come out. But, uh, of course, visit for, for hosting as little as $10 a month. And it's like everything. Like, he just takes care of you. MapleGrovePartners.com will get you there as well. It was great. I got to meet Gary, too, by the way. The other half of the Maple Grove Partners. Just a great guy. Even better per, in person than he is online. So, it was great, uh, great to connect with Gary. You can also also listen to Home Gadget Geeks on the Android iPhone app. Don't forget, we got those out there as well. You can just find them. They're both available for free. Head out to homegadgetgeeks.com. Don't forget, LastPass is the sponsor. Um, we're coming up on their renewal, so we'll see. We'll see if they hang around for uh, September uh, or so. And uh, but uh, they are currently sponsoring the app, and it's the best way to listen live. And you know what? Ten of you do it every single week. So I'm always surprised when I get our Spreaker stats, and there's ten of you out there on um, on Spreaker. I should probably, you know, I was like, Mike, I had this fear all of a sudden that like. Oh, no, those ten people aren't getting it. It's just blank the yeah. whole way. I was just blank inside. So anyways, we are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. Got a couple great shows for you coming up. Aaron Lawrence is back. Next week, hey, how good was Veronica Belmont uh, the week before? John, sorry you had to follow yeah. Veronica. Yeah, thanks. But <laughs> uh, Veronica was a great show. This is actually, this was more fun because I, you know, I it was great having you on. And thanks to Veronica for warming up the crowd, right? Yeah, totally. She got, like, she was the warm-up act. You're the main, you're the main guy. But great, great to connect in with Veronica. But Aaron is back next week and Mike's out. So we'll have a guest host, Shauna Dorsey's coming on to be a guest host with that for the week. And then Mike and I are back on the 29th. Mike, that's a you, me show, by the way, just you and me. No pressure. We're going to update some folks on what's going on. And then an all-star cast of Brian Freelander's coming back. He'll have that. Um, he's ordered that Amazon show. Uh-huh. And so that will, he will have that in his hands. And we're going to talk about that when he comes on. Amber's back the next week with LastPass. Mike and Mark are on to talk about grilling the week after that. And guess what I got in the mail today? I got my hickory smoked pellets for my smoker. Yes. So get your grills out, boys. Time to, uh, time to start talking grilling. And of course, 
we're all into that as well, John. I know you are uh, as well. And I have, what's what's the last thing you smoked, John? Oh, uh, so actually, I'm getting. So the last thing I smoked. Usually, we do a pork butt because that never fails, right? Right. And, Crowd uh, pleaser. Yeah. July fourth, <laughs> I'm actually uh, getting ready to do a brisket. It'll be the first overnight brisket that I've done. Nice. We'll see how that turns out. Nice. I wish I lived closer. Yeah. Oh, hey, just come saying. on, come on down. Bring your TV. We'll calibrate it while this thing's smoking. Right. Get off the airplane with a big TV on my shoulder <laughs> and knife and fork in my hands. We're going to John's house. <laughs> we are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at the Average Together TV Live. A lot more fun if you come in the chat room. And uh, thanks to everybody who is out there listening in chat. We'll be back next Thursday. And with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. <laughs>